Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome back to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into the prologue of A Storm of Swords. Yeah, wow, Ez. You know, when we first started this podcast, we were like trying to figure out what we wanted to do and all this stuff. And we were like, man, I don't know. I feel like it's just going to take forever to get through all these books and i was like yeah i think that's kind of the point like that way we, we have something to talk about for the next like seven years <laughs> yeah i know right yeah let's let's talk let's actually talk about that for a second matt because it's i was thinking beginning. about this it is it's a new book and i feel I'm, I'm 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 happy to be in this this is the one we've been waiting for this is a really exciting book it's it's the best people consider it the best uh, a lot of people also like you know it dance is. as as well it's just i think people like dance because it's it leaves a lot of those storylines unfinished that you can go and pick it up right there it's okay where does it go to but so much is hinted at here and there's so many little prophecy tie-ins that matt and i speculate and we sometimes even use the show to say hey these things are connecting much further on you know down the line and there are things in this book that still that still matter so you know a, a storm of swords is is excellent and going back through it is i've been i've been trying to you know read ahead and get a little refresher and it's it's fun it's it's honestly a lot of fun and it's just cool to see that we're that we're here and we're still talking house of the dragons coming out all these fun things are happening we got george still talking about stuff winds of winter is closer today than it was yesterday and you know that may be like a joke but uh it's also it's also true so yeah so i uh ran this poll over on our youtube uh just like a little over just two months ago said what's your favorite song of ice and fire book and a storm of swords dominated mm-hmm. uh, the charts, not even remotely close. So storm of swords came in first at forty five percent. Yeah. So what is your favorite song of ice and fire book? Forty five percent said a storm of swords. That's crazy. So then uh, following that was a dance of dragons, then a feast for crows. Then a Clash of Kings, then a Game of Thrones. Kind of interesting. Not my uh, preferred order. Mm-hmm. What, what's yours? What is your? What, how do you rank the the five books? Well, a, a Feast for Crows is awesome. I, I do love a Feast for Crows. Um, Clash of Kings is not necessarily I, that. That for me is at the bottom, honestly. Really? Um, yeah, I, I I just don't. Um, it was a great follow-up but I, f- I feel like it, it keeps you in it and there's still a lot of intrigue and stuff that's that's going ups and downs and the, the roller coaster ride is there um storm of swords is where i think we all it just we all caught the same fever that george caught and we get taken away in it so for me that one probably is at, at, this is at the top of my list it's it's either a storm of swords one or feast for crows one i go back and forth on them actually yeah. and then this is so crazy but then a dance with dragons because I'm at like when I when I when I read it, I went back and, and actually just did a couple point of view read throughs again with Danny's stuff. Um, and just just it's kind of I don't know. It's it's just super intriguing to think about where it's going to go. And I think that's probably what it is for me is that like I'm always thinking about what's next in the story. And so a piece for crows as well. Some of those some of those storylines in in there. And you have to kind of that was a book, right? That I believe was was split into two. And so, yeah, there's just a lot. That's where the story is kind of kind of at a game of thrones is, is above a clash of kings and clash of kings is probably my 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 bottom wow okay 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think most people, well, just looking at this, yeah, a lot of people have Dance with Dragons number two. I know just in talking to our good buddy Sir Jimmy, uh, that's where uh he's sort of at too. Same thing as he has dance. Um, and I've talked about this as well. I actually I don't know, I guess I, I have a different take here. So a storm of swords is my number one. Okay. Um, because it's just god, it's just it's just so good. And for me, so much of it is the chapter we'll get into next time, um, which is Jamie one is the fact that in the in the show, right, you see Jamie Lannister way more than you do in the books. In the books, really, you don't really know Jamie all that much uh, by the time we get to his first chapter. So then you dive into his first chapter and it's like I was like, what? Ja like we get to read Jamie, like Jamie Lannister's point of view. And it was just so cool. And that to me is like the game changing, like everything before that is like a clash of kings and game of thrones we still feel very similar everything post that is like i don't know george just decided to start writing different and then we yeah. start getting into cersei chapters and getting into more sort of i guess villain chapters and you get this other side of it and we get to see like why jamie's arc and and learning like why he did what he did it then it it to me it opens up every character is that much more interesting and you don't and you begin to look at characters just beyond sort of black and white. So yeah, that's why I love a storm of swords. So I have a storm of swords at one. I actually have a game of Thrones at two. Okay. Um, And it's, and it's so much of it is just because I, I think it's just such a good of all of like the books, some of the books I've ever read the opening scene. I just, I just love it. I just love, I love memorable. Like, yeah. I love like the first five chapters of that book, including the prologue, because you start out and you're in like the Night's Watch and who are these guys and what are they doing? And then they get attacked by an other. And you're talking about a guy who is a knight, right? And Wayne, yeah. Waymar Royce, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a knight and he's right. going up against this White Walker. And it's just what just happened. <laughs> and then the next chapter, we find a, a one of these Night's Watch members who we don't really know that much about, but has now run all the way south. Right? Not all the way south, but has run south of the wall and he's being executed. And it's like, wait, what is what's going on? What's right? going on, dude? Dark, and then we find dire wolves beyond the wall. And it's just I just love, love those first five chapters. Um. I just, I just, I don't, I just love the whole thing. And then John goes to the wall and wait, what's the deal about his mother and Benjamin is lost and just so much about, I think it's just, it's just such an amazing setup to the series. Right. That I just love. It. And then it ends obviously with Ned Stark and it's like, oh my God, all hell just broke loose. Right. And then when Catelyn takes Tyrion, it's like, oh my God, what did you just do? You're <laughs> so, right. You're actually yeah. right. I, I think that's, yeah. It, because because we wouldn't get to all the other juiciness and, and like the richness of, of the rest of the story if we didn't have such a great hook, you know? Yeah. So we we, yeah. we, we do have to give credit to the first book. Yeah. 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 And there's only five books. So, I mean, everyone's yeah. going to have them in just sort of different orders that they like. So, yeah. So I have a Game of Thrones at number two. Then I have a Dance with Dragons. Um and just because, you know, all the reasons everyone loves a dance of dragons it's yeah. it's also like all the John stuff. And I think that's oh, yeah. why I think that's why I like feast for me feast. I actually have is my is my least favorite book. And I think it's just because feast and dance are sort of split into two. And I just sort of prefer the characters and dance with dragons more than I prefer the characters in a feast for crows, um, especially because like Bran 
you know, it's like not even in a Feast for Crows. So I love I love Brand's arc, and there's way more of it in Dance Dragon. So I yeah. think that's just if for no other reason. But really, I some people love both, some people like one or the other. That's just the side I'm on. Right. Um, so I have Feast at the bottom, then I have Clash as my second, as my uh, I have it below Game of Thrones. I don't know what it is about Clash of Kings. I I think it's just I love that we get to meet Stannis and Davos, but then. You know, there's some Theon chapters, and I, I just, I'm just the Greyjoys. I, they just bore me. I don't know what it is. Every time I have to read about the Greyjoys, I just get so. Yeah, they're my, I, they're just my least, they're just my least favorite character. I, I know some people love them, and Euron's yeah. crazy, right? And that's that, that's when it will pick up, right? Is is when Euron shows up and stuff, so, or when he gets more involved, if you will. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's some of it also because like they're the first characters that feel outside of the story, even though John sort of is, he's like up at the wall, but so much of John's story, at least in a game of Thrones and a clash of Kings involves what's going on in Westeros. Whereas like Daenerys, story is so far separate that it's kind of its own thing. It's man much more manageable in a game of Thrones where it's just this one character who's way over here, but where everyone's talking about her and why it's very important. And then you add in the Greyjoys in a clash of kings, and now they're like over here. And so it's like it gets kind of spread out more. And but obviously by a dance dragons, it's all over the place. But it's just like initially it's kind of like, ah, it's just it feels like a side story. And I just don't yeah. care. Yeah. I know. But obviously the Battle of Blackwater, and there's a lot of great stuff in a clash of kings, but I just sort of it's just it's my it's it's my second least favorite, I guess. And then a feast. Feast is my least favorite. Yeah. Just because I just prefer the I prefer of the of the two, which was supposed to be one book. I think I, I, I'm much more on the Dance Dragon side. So yeah, that's cool. So yeah, so we kind of kind of line up a little bit here, but clearly Storm of Swords, forty five percent. People are, love it, man. People love it. Yeah, and it's it's such a great story, you know. So just a just as we get into this before we started, because uh, just want to give you guys some context here. So. Uh, it, it continues where a clash of kings ends, right? It's it's uh, we had the the war of the five kings of Westeros. Uh, Danny is strengthening her forces over in the east, and then you've got this threat of maybe others or like a wildling army. Something's going on, but we have twelve different characters that we're going to follow, um, and then yeah, sort of ten tell the majority of the story. Let me see here. And then we kind of pick up this. This is our prologue. Matt, will read a summary here in a second for you, but it's Chet. We're starting up up north and it goes. I mean, again, it's 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 we're stretched pretty far in terms of we are far north. We're, we're above the wall. We start there. Uh, we'll talk about the horn blowing, sounding three times. And then we go all the way back down to to Danny. You know, we're stretched all the way across Essos, which is just just great. You always think about John far north and Danny way over there. And it really. I don't know. It's just an immense, crazy world. Yeah. Story. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's uh, dive right into it. So the prologue here of A Storm of Swords. So Chet, again, remember all the prologues are mostly like totally different characters. Um, mm -hmm. So Chet's hatred of Jon Snow and Samuel Tarly for the uprising for, um, for you, excuse me, usurping his comfortable position as steward to Maester Aemon has boiled over. He and Lark are si uh, the, the sister men are conspiring to desert the Night's Watch along with Small Paul and about a dozen other sworn brothers. The traitors plan to kill Lord Commander Mormont and several other officers to prevent anyone from actively seeking them out as they desert. 
Thorin Smallwood and his party are the one are the only of three rangings to return so far. And they have seen the size of Mance Raider's army. Thorin wishes to give battle to Mance's army, mainly because there are so few warriors in it. It is compromised, it is composed of mostly women and children. Chet and his men plan to kill um, in the dead of night and flee to places of safety, leaving Thorin Smallwood and um, Otwin Wythers as senior rangers. Thorin won't search for them because he wants to lead the attack, and Wythers would rather flee to the wall and could not care less about deserters. That evening, the Watch gathers before Mormont and his senior men, who announce that they will march in force against the Wildling army, which is about 10 days away. Mormont acknowledges that they might all die and has his men reaffirm their oaths to the Night's Watch. Meanwhile, Chet worries that some of his deserters may lose their resolve. Late in that night, Chet awakens to find it snowing. The desertion plans are ruined because the turn cloaks can easily can be easily tracked in their fresh in the fresh snow. Chet still seeks to get some satisfaction from the night and creeps over to the sleeping Slam Samuel Tarley with the intention of murdering him. He is interrupted as a ranger in the distance sounds his horn. Sam awakens, and he and Chet hear the horn blow three times. Both men are shocked at the realization of what three horn blows mean, a signal that has not been used in hundreds and thousands of years. Three horn blows means others. Chet looks down and realizes he has wet himself. Yeah, no kidding. Whew. No kidding, Matt. Could you like? It is kind of a it's it's a cool opening for that that simple fact that you have had the horn sounds three times. Three blows means others. Hasn't been sounded like that in centuries upon centuries. And would that not cause a man to just like who is the uh, guy? What, Matt? Who's the person blowing the that blow. horn that is dying? You know, there it's a dead man blowing that horn because Would you, her, do you even believe it at first. No, do you think first maybe all, you maybe it's an echo or, or yeah, you, you're, you're probably like, I don't, did, that can't be right. Right. But I, it's it, there's something eerie about their proximity to the woods. And and there's just been something about the fist of the first men that I don't know. It, it, it always kind of set them set them on edge. Corn Halfhand also even said like. The, the old sort of powers are waking again and these things are are starting to move and creep throughout the woods it is exactly what has gotten the wildlings all uh you know rustled up and and now and it's a great way to do this is that we wondered what is causing all of this and it's the night's watch that gets attacked they see firsthand exactly what has rooted out the wildlings and what they've had to deal with for so long uh night's watch has been nice and warm up on their wall or uh back at castle black if you will I don't know if they're warm there or not, but still warmer than maybe the wildlings are and not as harassed by the others. And this is, mm. I'm just, I'm, I'm literally picturing like, so I, I love to really, really get into the moment because, and I know we're jumping right to the end here, but I want you guys to think about this. When you, when you reread this book, this, this does bring the energy. Like this book has a lot of energy. It's people's favorite for a reason, because I can picture myself chatting with Matt in that camp. And I can picture like, all right, cool. One one horn sound like ah, oh, cheesy cow. Like here we, you know, we're we're like we're we're not like we gotta do something. We're we're trying. We're maybe we're playing some game around the fire, and then the second one 
It's like, okay, I eyebrows raised, uh, like hold on a second. Right. And then the third, it's like, uh, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it would be, especially if it's cold and it's dark outside, it's kind of scary anyways. Um, the night is dark and full of terrors. So yeah, it's just kind of a surreal moment there. And Chet now again was planning this whole takeover, a coup was going to go in and, and kill people, assassinate them. He was going to run to Craster's Keep. You know, he was he was out. He, he had had enough of this. And it is kind of crazy. And what we can do in a second here is track down some of the smaller characters in this. I love to click on, you know, go to the wiki, click on some links, and, and track a couple of these individuals. Because, what is his name? Thorin Smallwood, I think, is an absolute idiot. Wants to, like, take on all of Mance's forces and stuff. And, like, you're hearing his strong opinion. Is he going to be able to persuade the old bear to do some of these things? Chet's like, I'm not, I'm out. Like that's a, that's a death sentence, you know, just to even be, we shouldn't even be up this far. We've ranged, we figured it out. We've got reports that there are thou like thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people against 300. Like the, the, the conversation is, well, there's men and women are there. They're, they're mostly women and children. I mean, how many, let me go ahead and find it real quick. But like that hunt, I mean, just a huge force, 300 against mm -hmm. 300. Now there was a great movie where 300 men stood their right. ground. And <laughs> different, great movie, different, different movie, different, different setting and terrain. But um, still, I understand what Chet's, what he's saying here. He said, I should be safe back at the wall, tending the bloody Ravens and making fires for old Maester Eamon. He's super pissed about Samwell taking his job, by the way. That's who Chet is. Well, it's probably a pretty cush job. Absolutely. Freaking Lutely it was. And that's what, that's what he says. It's all because Sam can read. Yeah, can you imagine? You just got to, I mean, Mr. Eamon's well, pretty easy going. So, you get fired because you can't read. Yeah, really. I mean, he's just, he's, <laughs> he's just, well, the other thing too is that like, he, I don't know, he, he's still, he's all upset and pissed, but Sam's still here with him. You know, it's not like Sam got to stay back there either. He's just upset. He's just been harboring this kind of resentment towards him since, you know, he was recruited and stuff. But yeah, I mean, sorry, Chet, you know? Yeah. Like, sucks, bro. But um, yeah, then just a couple of the other ones here, like Lark the Sisterman um, is, again, you know, an interesting character. And then Smallpaw. Smallpaw. Right. right. I mean, he's the uh, one he's he theoretically right. He's. Bladed a Duncan the Tall, right? Yep, exactly. And they make a lot of references to that. They, uh, here we go. Small Paul blinked his black little eyes. Maybe he had forgotten. Chet thought he was stupid enough to forget most anything. Why do we have to kill the old bear? Why don't we just go off and let him be? You think he'll let us be? Said Lark. He'll hunt us down. You want to be hunted, you great muttonhead. And so they go back and forth. Small Paul's forgetting, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. And he, they, he's described as a huge, huge man, big hands, big sort of shoulders and just stupid. I think at one point he's described as being as thick as a castle, castle wall, right. I think in this. So that's where people get that whole dunk, you know, connection. But, um, you know, interesting thing about Lark here. Um, this is sort of like a spoiler for what's going to happen later. Him yeah. in a storm of swords. Right. Um, is that he at one point gets turned into a white, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he gets taken out by ravens. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that so that uh, Sam can uh, be rescued by cold hands. 
Yep. Yep. It's that whole, it's, it's that whole moment where, yeah. And these were the, yeah, it's the effects of this very moment, actually. Like later on, you'll see um, Small Paul, uh, Lark, the sisterman there. But yeah, they're, they're coming after Sam and Gilly, I think, right? And yeah. um, Sam the Slayer steps up. <laughs> so that's, that's flash forward a little bit for you guys. But I mean, God, that's a great moment too. But all of that comes because of this, this moment right here where, you know, and, and this is such a, a really good uh, style by George to kind of lay this like what, like, the, the irony here or the, the, like the start of this is these guys are going to kill the old bear. Like we like the old bear, you know, we like, he's been good to John gave him the sword. Is it a special Valerian steel sword? Is it got some mystery behind it? That's all up for debate, but he's good. And corn half hand likes him. And now we're following this guy, Chet who wants to kill him. And he's got, um, he's got a lot of guys. He's got a lot of guys worked up to, to do this. Um, and then for it all to turn, with three blows of the horn at the end is, is kind of ironic and just, just crazy. We, we were, we were thinking, God, this is awful. And then it really turned into something awful, right? Cause maybe they could have yeah. fought against Chet and his men. Maybe they could have survived or whatever, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, and remember too, uh, Sam is tending those Ravens. As you said, that connection later on, he's tending these Ravens. He's good to them. That might help him yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, something interesting, I'm just thinking about the the prologues here, um, because the prologues of the books are sort of very important because they in in some ways they don't necessarily die directly feel like they connect to like the story that ends up taking place in the book. But I feel like all mm -hmm. the prologues sort of do serve as this reminder or backdrop a little bit to some of the bigger things that are going on, because the prologue in A Game of Thrones is the Night's Watch member that right they take on yeah. the other they lose oh, yeah. he runs south gets his head cut off in but it's like setting up magical creatures and winter is coming and like the idea of like winter is coming that's where it comes from mm -hmm. at least as a reader the second book is melisandra we first meet her and they're on the beach and we kill a maester right yeah. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And then this one is, we're going to desert and mutiny against the Night's Watch. Right. Can't do that. We, we know that's not <laughs> a good thing. And we know, yeah, I get that's what, that's what Chet's wrestling with. Um, he says it. He, he says that he's thinking about heading. They had thought about going back to Castle Black. Um, this whole thing started with the you know trying to find, as you said, Ben Stark and and uh, Sir Sir Waymore, uh, Waymar Royce. And he's thinking, I got to go back to Craster's Keep, or I got to go somewhere and settle. Be better to kind of settle north of the Wall. Um, you actually get a lot of Chet's backstory too, and just sort of what would send him to the Wall, the nature of of the Night's Watch, and then why. He wants to do this. Why he wants to kind of, you know, he doesn't want to face down. And I, I found the number, by the way, 20, 30, 000, see, 20 or 30,000. We didn't state account versus 300, yeah. you know? Chet's kind of like, I mean, Thor and Smallwood, he, he, he can't chance. read, man. 
Well, he can't. Yeah, right. But I mean, well, Thorin's a Thorin's a moron. He is Thorin the moron because I think that's what Cor- doesn't Corin Halfhand say that about him, where he's like only an idiot would would yeah. believe that. Oh, What's earlier, yeah, yeah, last last book, yeah. One of the yeah. things he said, yeah, only fools like Thorin Smallwood despise the wildlings. They are as brave as we are, John. Corin Halfhand, Jon Snow. Aha, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. He's not well regarded. I mean, he's, he's got a good spirit about him, and he's a true kind of you know, member of the Night's Watch, but he's not the smartest and he's not, um, uh, he's not really thinking, thinking this through. He's, he's the guy who would be mar- taking 300 to March against 30,000 and he'd be standing there going like, oh shoot. Yeah. I, yeah, I messed yeah. up. Like that's a, like I'm, I don't know, he's not doing numbers right in his head or something. So, but yeah, they're, they're going up the milk water and um, it would take them right past. They say that that would take them right past the fist of the first men, uh, the ancient ring fort, where the Night's Watch had made their camp. Now, that's interesting, too. This is this ancient ring fort. So this is where I love that George throws in, what is the Fist of the First Men? You know? Right. And some of these whites that are laying there might might have been laying there for a long time. Like, this could be... How old are these guys? You know what I mean? These others that attack. Yeah, so. and it's, it's such a good introduction to them, too, because we see, sort of see one, but it's so mysterious in the original, or in the, in the prologue to A Game of Thrones. And then... You know, John's just at the wall learning. We don't we go up beyond the wall just to the heart tree, but like the whole like fear of the White Walkers and the others, it, you know they're out there, but you don't really feel it. Then the second book, we start focusing on Relore a little bit more. Um, right. but you know, we're going beyond the wall and things are getting starting to be getting a little more mysterious. And then we open right here and we are blowing the horn to signify they the others are coming. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Like, I think that's a, I think that's another reason why everyone loves this book is because like all of the stakes that we've sort of felt we're gonna we're like this is like all the other books the, the the first two books have been setting up for big moments to take place here and that do all take place in this book. Yeah, they do. Not that there's more big moments to come because there are, but this is the first book. This is the book where it's like it feels like a lot. Everything else is just so much bigger. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's starting with this huge kind of um, battle here. God, we, the thing is, too, that we just get to the like you and I are wanting to even like talk about the battle. That's that's later chapter. That's uh, the aftermath is is later. But that's really what we get to here is is major losses, major turns, major, you know, a retreat for the men of the Night's Watch. All the things we'd heard about, all the teasing that Tyrion had said, or, you know, when he's talking to John about grumpkins and different things out there in the woods and stuff now. Like, now we're seeing it. Now we're we're really out there, and uh, we see what they're what they're facing. Sorry, I just got also really sad for a second because um, Benjamin, where's he at, man? Jeez, we still don't know. We still don't know, dude. I, I've it's such a it it ticks me off to be quite honest. George. Like there there's some things. I mean, I I get that the story has to get like Danny. I'm not I'm not too. It's like I know that story is going to continue. I know she's going to go somewhere. But what happened to Benjamin? Right. You know, come on, man. I don't know. Sorry. It just gets kind of because that's the whole point. They're up here. I keep it gets, seeing it's emo- name. It gets emotional. It does. And it's like he's been gone for how long? Is he dead? Is he just dead? I just want this, this is such a ridiculous tie in. But I just watched. I've been watching with uh, with my wife. I've been watching the like Downton Abbey. And dude, they, they there's a whole season where, you know, this guy's dead. It's like Benjamin. He's been missing for like mm-hmm. a year and a half in a foreign country. Reports are he got roughed up in jail, probably dead. 
Everyone thinks he's dead. And then finally, you find out like two, three years later, yeah, he's dead. And it's like the whole time you just strung us along with this whole like, well, maybe there's like we're holding on some hope. Right. Yeah. I guarantee, he's, he's I guarantee that Benjamin Stark is gone and he's dead. And we've been holding out for years that he's someone special and he's not, Matt. That's what George does to us. And that's what's frustrating. And that's why we've all wanted a conclusion to some of this stuff. Freaking nuts. Sorry. Quick Benjamin rant. No, that's fine. Yeah. We still don't know. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. Um, some of these other guys I was looking up too, man. Like, let me see here. You mentioned Lark. Um, Otten, Otten Withers. Otten Withers. Just, okay. He's in the Clash of Kings. He's part of the Great Ranging. Leaves Castle Black uh, searching for the Wildlings. He is one of the commanders of the Night's Watch at the Fist of the First Men. He urges retreat when the Wildling masses are discovered. He is second in command on the Raging Behind Lord commander mormont you know what they what chet talks about here is like if we take out smallwood then this is the guy who or if we take out uh jor mormont like he's not going to listen to the urgings of smallwood right he's going to be yes so next up is is going to be um withers and he's going to want us to fall back into retreat so we never get there because no, we do not. They're all just killed in the snow up there, and it's it's all for all for nothing. But um, but yeah, that's another character to kind of um, bring up in this in this prologue, I guess. Chet goes on for a while. Yeah, Chet does. Yeah, I'll pull him up too here. Oh, here, hey, here, here's here's one of those lines. Just want to read it for everybody too. So, uh, let me see here. Small Paul, just real quick, as you pull up Chet, and we'll talk about Small Paul and then Chet. Uh, Chet said, said Small Paul, as they trudged along the stony game trail through the Sentinels and the Soldier Pines, what about the bird? So this is Small Paul saying this to Chet. What about the bird? What bloody right. bird? The last thing he needed now was some muttonhead going on about a bird. Uh, the old bear's raven, Small Paul said. If we kill him, who's going to feed his bird? I know. Who, why does he care? <laughs> why does he care? But see, you know, why does he care? Why does George write that in there about the bird? The bird talks. It's something special. It is definitely I, people who talk about Blood Raven and the connections, you know, uh, being the three-eyed crow, whatever it may be. This bird matters and is a big deal. So anyways, he goes on and says, yeah, you know, you can have it. I, I don't want to hurt no bird. Um, but that's a talking bird. What if he tells what we did? Okay, so there's, there's the line. So the big man said, but that's a talking bird. What if it tells what we did? Uh, Lark then laughed and said, Small Paul, thick as a castle wall, he mocked. And then, you know, Small Paul's telling him to shut up. They're arguing back and forth. But man, it goes on. Can I keep the bird? I like the bird. He's yours, right? All, all good. But it's this whole conversation about his bird. And it might tell on us. And I think it is telling, Matt. I think this whole time it's telling somebody uh, some the, the, the goings-ons and in the uh night's watch so and then to think and then to think later that the ravens start taking some of these guys out i know <laughs> it's crazy isn't it that is crazy i wonder if mormont's raven was yeah what we know i know mormont's raven makes it and everything but god it's just what was his trek like let me pull him up while you have chat there i think the raven's mormont's, got his own wiki page mormont's raven i think he does well mormont's raven um I mean, is he? I mean, there's almost too much going on with Mormont's Raven to not be. Matt, there's a whole. I mean, look, his wiki page has more on it than most of our main characters. 
Like it's that's well, because he's constantly because he's constantly saying stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, look, he's in every book. Well, words spoken by Mormons Raven. You read all these stupid ads here. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, good ads. I guess they make money for this website to continue to run. Right. Which does right, provide yes. us with tons of resources. Right. Um, so so there is that. But yeah, I mean, look at the words spoken. I mean, corn, obviously, you know, king. I mean, he calls people king. He calls John King and all of these things. Wow. How does no. he know all the how does he how does a how does a raven at the wall know the word king? How often is the word king spoken at the wall? Okay, hold on. First of all, th th this is a great resource because I've never seen the movie. I've never seen them actually. This must be an addition. I, I would be cool to see when they updated this because I don't remember this being here. But and I've looked at Mormont's Ravens page and I've looked at I we, we back when we started this podcast, we were Raven City, right? We were Ravens and yeah. Crows going back and forth between the difference. We are talking about, stop. yeah, we did. We did, but we're back on it now because look at this, man. Some of the words. So in a storm of swords, chapter 18, Samuel one, the Raven says, sorry. So for what Matt? Sorry to who? Why? You know, why? How does it, how does it, well, I guess animals do know that animals sorry. definitely animals do feel sorry, especially dogs, man. Dogs. Definitely. You can tell like sometimes if you're like playing with a dog and you pretend like, you know, they sort of if you pretend like they bit you, they you can tell they like feel bad. So sorry is an sorry is a. Um, is uh -huh. a feeling that animals do feel, but then to I guess this is the crazy thing, right, is because the birds are only supposed like I, can a bird associate sorry with feeling sorry, because that's kind of crazy. Right. Dude, I don't know. Like, I can get a bird learning the word corn because it's like food. Corn, you know, because it yeah. learns a word. That's right. pretty easy. That's food. That's But to learn sorry, that's like next level. You have to think about how you feel in order to feel sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Here's a couple more. I mean, I don't know, man. Some of these words, they, they, get, they, get, they get a little scared. Son, you know? Son, it's like referring to someone's son. You also have obey, huh? I you start stringing some of them together, man. You can you can take this a lot of different places. Bones, but like all I, of a sudden I in the see, huh? I could see bones, bones, father, girls gone. Who's gone, Matt? Who is gone? Uh, uh, the, yeah, well, you can learn gone. They're not here right now. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, how about this one? Why? That's a lot. Why? For, that's a lot for an animal to to process. Oh my god! I just I I. Sorry, guys. I although I'll tell you right now, I don't trust ravens or crows. Yeah. No, I don't. They're tricksy birds, right? They're they're definitely tricksy birds. Um. I, I don't know there. Have you seen the thing too on the, on when George, let me see here. Capitalizes stuff. The corn code. Have you seen that? Uh, I think we have looked at that. I think at, we that did before. that. That would, that would be a good extended edition or a yeah. good stand standalone corn code episode. I got them pulled up right here. Maybe we'll go right into an extended edition on it. Okay. Cause that's, should cool. we eat corn dogs while we do it?
God, I'm hungry right now. I can... When's the last time you had a corn dog? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been. I normally eat them around Halloween. So well, that's weird. Just tradition in my family. We what? didn't go trick or treating. <laughs> Grew up in a religious house, man. That's at Satan's day. Corn dogs right. for Halloween. Corn dogs and Peter Pan, buddy. <laughs> okay. Wait, you dip like your corn dog in peanut butter? No, no. We watched peanut. But we watched Hook. We watched oh, I thought Hook you meant like the peanut. Like, I thought you meant like the Peter Pan uh, peanut butter. I don't know, that might be kind of good though. I, does I really that still just, exist? You can't go wrong with a good corn. Does that, dog. Is that still does peanut the Peter? Remember they oh, have yeah. like the Peter Pan peanut butter? I think it does. I think it does. I think it might have changed the the label, or I, but I feel like it does. Peanut butter is good for you, man. Like I'm a pan corn case. dog in it. That's gonna be weird. Yeah, it's a bit much. Mustard and ketchup's where you got to be on that. I don't know if you can do. I, I think. Do it. Yeah, it's too much. I don't really like corn to begin with. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. Corn's also got too many carbs, so I'm out. I like popcorn. I eat a lot of that. Yeah. God, which dude, I'm looking which at I, this. Which I, which I guess is corn. How many times does he cry corn? And when it's capitalized, it matters. Guys, you got to check out the extended edition. We'll do it because it's been years since we've done that. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. But anyway, okay. yeah, so, so yes, right. Paul, so finish, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so fi finishing up so finishing up the chapter here. So I don't know. As a prologue, it, I give it it's I have it as sort of honest, actually honestly, like I mean the big takeaway is that the horn has been sounded and the others are coming. The white walk the, the the white walkers are coming by sea and by land. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's, that's it, kind of Matt. It. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. No. So, I mean, the, the, the whole bit of it is where there's just, yeah. Well, there's just here, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. So you guys like in this, essentially it's just Chet complaining about stuff. So you learn more about like, you know, who's in command and who like, as when the horn sounds, now you have to flat, you have to kind of comb back through. And once they're on the move and they're in full retreat, who's left over? Who was killed? Uh, how does Sam make it? Where did, you know, so, so Chet is still moving along, right? With everybody. They still have this whole plot. So we're going to get to Craster's Keep. So yeah, we're going to have to track, track them. And he just gives us a lot of insight into, we now know his plan. And we got to keep that up in our mind as we move forward. We're worried about, the others but we still have sort of an enemy in our midst that we have to deal with and that causes again the reader to be on edge a little bit every time you hear that chet's doing something or sam is we're in a samwell chapter and he's dealing with something you're like oh shoot watch out for that guy he was trying to kill you you know he came in yes. and pissed it rich and the white walkers are back and they're back so also yeah the, the the fear is not just outside um the the sentinels right outside of their watch or outside the fence it's it's also inside too and that's what kind of my big takeaway from all of this was and then you know just just little bits about him thinking about um Eamon and also him thinking about why he you know the girl that he tried to hook up with there's all that whole piece you know with um I don't know him being all salty about why he was actually sent to the wall you know mm -hmm. so yeah his his, his bloody old pus bags and just yeah, just the, his face, pox, and all that kind of stuff, and then the town sort of—I don't know—what 
prostitute doesn't want to hook up with him kills her yeah that whole backstory but like you said man it's not much it's all sometimes this it happens up. yeah sometimes they're just sometimes they're small chapters i mean honestly this is i i i don't like to use the word worst but of the prologues i think this is the one that's the weakest i guess to 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 say the least because a feast for crows prologue is awesome because that's yeah pate the alchemist yeah and- the dance with dragons is too yeah they're, like they're they're really good um so yeah it's just kind of because they get into more of the mystical magical element right. and like the melisandre one was cool too because you're like whoa how did that poison situation happen Th- the biggest thing with this and each of them have that that element the white of, yeah right it's it's the others the fact that they're they're back you can't do much more than that other than they're there and they're gonna be killing people and it's gonna be brutal because we've already seen it we've seen it in the prologue right. we know it's bad so yeah okay awesome all right guys well with that be sure to stay tuned uh for extended edition uh and be sure to tune in to the next episode where we will be covering jamie one of a storm of swords we're gonna have uh nikki who was on uh, a few weeks ago, right? Kale EC, our Lannister loyalist, as we uh, can definitely call her. So be sure to go check out her TikTok, right? At Kale underscore EC. Uh, she definitely posts stuff over there. Be sure to follow Ez and I on TikTok, by the way, at Super Games Bros. Uh, as posted on our hyperspace hangout one for our Star Wars content, uh, cranking all those. Those out. are fun. Sure check- TikTok's great. I love it. Love it. I'm just, it's just so easy to just do seven to 15 to a minute's worth of content. Yeah. By the way, guys, sincerely, I know we sometimes use plugs just at the end. Go check out Matt's TikTok. It is, he's being modest. It's blowing up and I love it. It is. I had a million views last week. It's crazy. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. (laughs) If we had a million down, if we had a million downloads, we'd be full timers. So, hey, we used to. We did during season eight. <laughs> so anywho guys so all right well as always thank you guys for watching here on youtube thank you guys for listening be sure to get all of our extended premium content either through apple premium or over on patreon we definitely gotta um we'll get it queued up this week as and i were kind of had sort of little mini vacations weekend yeah. stuff this this month so back getting back on track here we'll get the um zoom hangout scheduled for you guys for our bannerman as well so be sure to stay tuned for all of that stuff. Be sure to like, comment, favorite, subscribe on iTunes or on YouTube. We will see you next week. And remember, that winter is coming.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 